0: So I have a very important question for you. How do you start each day? Do you start it off with a positive mindset? Or do you wake up every morning just full of dread and doom? So what I want to offer you is a chance to change your entire mindset. I want you to head over to www.theqchat.com and go ahead and check out my 7-Day Motivational. It's a quick and simple guide just to help you Flip your mindset. Go ahead and change the narrative. You can start off each day thinking positively. You are the master of your fate. So go ahead and master each day to think positively. A positive mindset can bring you to a higher level of success and happiness. So go over to my website, www.theqchat.com, and go ahead and click on Shop and grab your 7-Day Motivational And you can also grab some free merch while you're at it. There's a wonderful free worksheet available just for you and a free seven day motivational map. So don't delay. Go ahead to www.theqchat.com. Go Queen. Thank you for joining the Go Queen brand podcast, The Q Chat. So today, and I want to make sure I read off all these great things about you, I have this awesome singer, Nubia Soul Goddess. She's a music artist, a songwriter, a best-selling author. She slangs harmonies, hooks, and books. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm happy that we can chat. Like I said, you got a nice little roster going. So just give me a breakdown. Like, where first of all, where are you from? I am originally from Macon, Georgia. So I am a peach. Okay. I have been in Atlanta 19, 20 years. Uh, I lived in Charlotte for about a year, but I came back to Atlanta, so... Who knows where the wind may blow me next? Okay, okay. For now. Okay, and how long have you been singing? Where have you just naturally been all in front of a mic singing since you were a child? I wouldn't say um, since I was a child. um, I was singing in the church choir, of course. A lot of people start out in church. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think I was about 12 singing in the church choir. But I've always been involved in music somehow, mm-hmm. whether it was taking mm-hmm. piano lessons or being in the school band. I've always been in music somehow. Okay, nice, nice, nice. So when did you decide to, you know, make this, you know, your thing, you know, like, because I know some people, like, when did you make the hobby the purpose? You know, how did you do that shift where, okay, like, this is you, like, you are an official Bonafide singer? Um, I don't think I ever really looked at it as a hobby. It mm-hmm, was, mm-hmm. it was just, it was conversation, honestly, mm-hmm. between myself and my godfather. Um, mm-hmm. He sings as well. Um, he's here in Atlanta, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he released an EP. This was two thousand six, okay. mm-hmm. and. I had not been doing anything musically from two thousand one until two thousand six. I was just working a regular job, just, just, just doing, you know, what you do, you mm-hmm. know, to maintain. But everybody knew, like she can sing. Right, right. Because that's all I used to do at work at my desk. <sighs> just you. <laughs> You've been in the corner and you hear me saying, like, that's all I used to do. And he released his his EP. And I was listening to it. And I called him. Because, like, my mind just, like, just blew up with all these thoughts, all these words. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I got all these ideas, all these thoughts. And he was like, you need to write. Mm -hmm. I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, you need to write. When you feel like this, you need to write. And he was like, honestly, he called me by my legal name, which I don't use much of, but it's Christina. He was like, honestly, Christina, I'm going to say something that ain't nobody said to you yet. You need to start working on your music. Mm -hmm. You haven't been doing anything. Like, it's it's in you. It's not Mm -hmm. something that you can just ignore. And I was like, okay, where do I start? He's like, just write. Mm -hmm. Write whatever you think. Write whatever you feel. Just, just write. And he said, "I tell you what. He's like, I'm gonna go to Apache Cafe. Like, he's like, I give you two weeks. Figure out a song you want to sing, and we'll go to Apache Cafe. They have an open mic, and we'll go and you can, you know, get on the mic and do something. And I was like, okay." But I was nervous as hell. I was like, oh. I, I don't know what to say to these people. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I decided to, to sing um, Curtis Mayfield's The Makings of You. Ooh. But it was Angie Stone's rendition. Oh. So that Wednesday night came. they do it on wednesday nights and i'm thinking this is gonna be fine i'll get to see some other people do some things and i probably won't even get called because he was like you gotta sign in and they call your name but it'd be a lot of people so you know it might be a minute before you get called or you might not get called at all so if you don't get called we'll go back Mm -hmm. i was like I ain't gonna get called. I ain't gonna, cause this is my nerves speaking. Like, I'm nervous because I've never right. done anything right. solo. I've always been with a group. Right. The only right. thing I had done solo was playing piano. Like, I could do mm. that. I was playing the piano. Like, I don't need a group for that. But singing in mm. choir, being in the band, I always had a group of people with me. Somebody to lean on, somebody like to be with me. So I had that comfort. But you talking about getting in front of people by myself, I was like, Ugh. I don't think I'm gonna be able to do it. So I was mm. like, this is gonna be cool. I'm gonna get all my nerves out and we're gonna come back again because they ain't gonna call my name. <laughs> they called my name second. I was the second person they called. I was like, wow. Really? Like, did you set this up? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was like, gone, oh, Christina, you got it, you got it, you got it. I was like, I was like, okay. And I was like, y'all, this is my first time. Like, I am so nervous. And the crowd was cool. It was calm. And I started singing. Mm -hmm. And before I finished, the whole restaurant was singing with me. Oh, wow. And we sung out well. I sung us into a free table. Because if anybody knows, a table is $25 at Apache. You just can't walk in and sit down. You got to reserve it and pay for it. Right. So we, I, I was able to send us into a table. Like a couple gave up their table. A pregnant woman and her husband gave up their table for me and my godfather because they were so impressed. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. And that's, that's how I started. Like I met and married my second ex-husband. Mm-hmm. A few months mm-hmm. later, um, he was also musically inclined, so he knew a little bit more than I did, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. how I got started. I've, I've been serious since day one. It's never been, oh, I just do this for fun sometimes. Like, no, it's always been an end goal in mind. Right. And how many years ago was that? Ooh. What, 14 Oh wow! Okay, but okay. I, didn't, I didn't like really step out out mm-hmm. until maybe 2013. Okay, so during that time, I spent a lot of time in studios recording. Uh, I might have went to a couple of open mics, but. Really, I was just dealing with life. Mm-hmm. Married life, parenting, living, just, just life. Mm. But I really stepped out in 2013. Excuse me. Um, the Calabar and Grill is in Stone Mountain. I went and did a couple of open mics there. And then... I told the guy I was singing, because I wasn't married anymore. I told the guy I was singing, I was like, I want a band. Mm. I don't like singing on top of a track. That's not how I grew up. I grew up with live instrumentation. I want a band. I like to feel the music. I like to be able to do what I want to do on stage and not be confined within a track that is pre-created and ends a certain way. Like, that's not real to me. And he was like, okay, bed. my little brother's in the band. I got you. We're gonna go talk to the band. So, 2013, 2014, I was hitting the stage with a band. Oh, wow. So, are you still with that band? No. (laughs) They've changed throughout the years um, for a number of reasons. You know, people' lives change, their goals mm-hmm. change. Um, it, that's just a part of it. You know, mm-hmm. some people they last longer than others, and that's just that's a part of it. Now, I know um, you mentioned that you are musically inclined with instruments. So you said you played the piano. How long have you been playing the piano? Do you play any other instruments? I started taking classical piano lessons when I was like eight, nine, for like two, three years. Um, I have not physically played. in such a long time. It's embarrassing. (laughs) 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 But I'm going to get back into it because it's still there. Um, Right. I still recognize notes, um, chords, um, especially listening to songs. I can recognize chords from different songs that go together, to merge songs together for arranging. Um, So I still have that basic Basic knowledge, mm-hmm. um, but when I was in school playing in the band, I was a percussionist, so I could so play every drum. Play it. Yeah. <laughs> I could play every drum out there. I could play the xylophone, um, timpani. What else? The chimes. I I could play it all, and marched with it. So that was different. <laughs> it was different have you ever been in a band and been like one of the musicians as opposed to not actually singing have you ever like you know no no (laughs) so when you were growing up who were your influences though like if you had to look back on just like your style of music now And if you noticed some elements that were thrown in and some influences that you had just growing up, like who would you say were some of the artists that influenced your musical style? The first artist that I remembered and that I absolutely fell in love with was Prince. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have an older sister. um, She's 11 years older, and I can remember her having a record player and she had a couple of his albums and she would play it. This was before I started piano lessons. That was like the first conscious awareness of, wait a minute, who's that? That's Prince? Okay, I know who that is. I'm never gonna forget that. And then just being in church, like... (laughs) A lot of gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a pastor who used to be a musician. So he sung a lot of blues in church. Okay. So that resonated with me. Um The bluesy part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, but... You know, listening to TV because I had the kind of mother who was like, you're not going to listen to that that, that that blues in my house. You know, we're going to listen to gospel music. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, bless her heart. She thought she was, you know, raising me up right. You know, she, she did what she thought was best. But I would still listen to other music. So I would listen to the radio. Um, I think Lauren Hill was out during that time or was just coming out with like the Fugees uh, mm-hmm. Angie Stone um I loved a lot of older music songs mm-hmm. like in the 50s and the 60s I love James Brown um I don't think Jill Scott Jill Scott may have just been coming out at that time um Erica Badu, Aretha Franklin. Earth, Wind, and Fire was my favorite. Because that's like all we played in band, like Earth, Wind, and Fire. Right, right. <laughs> so, I just love playing Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> yeah. So that was a lot of my influence. Those, those people. What was... So when you sing now, okay, so like that's a pretty good range, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Angie Stone, of course, Prince. (laughs) So out of those people, and of course, Prince was like an extreme songwriter, like the ultimate as far as songwriting. Who do you think, as far as, you know, those artists, who do you think influenced you in your songwriting? Because to me, songwriting is a gift that not everyone has. You know, it's one thing to sing, but to be able to actually write and, you know, to produce some nice lyrics. So what artists have influenced you as far as your songwriting? Those same artists or some different ones? I would say the same. Okay, okay. I, I would okay. say the same. Um, just looking at how my life has transitioned over the years. Um, pulling elements from each of those. It, it would be the same okay especially the topics and yeah arrangements yeah Mm -hmm. so what do you think is like your favorite thing to sing about you know (laughs) like of course we talk about women's empowerment and I feel one thing about empowerment is just embracing ourselves sexually embracing our bodies being confident about ourselves of course Typical love songs, and, you know, and a lot of us, we like the we like the artists that sing about the up and downs too, so like, what That's would you me. think are like, what are you, so all of the above you would say? <laughs> That's me, I, I talk a lot about love. Mm-hmm. But it's not just uh, I love you, you love me, I kiss you, you get in, it's my life is in those records. Mm-hmm. My life is absolutely in those songs um like the takeover the takeover was a song i released a couple years ago Mm -hmm. and the takeover is about my (laughs) ex-husband okay okay so you know it's it's the fun part of love the hard part of love the hurtful part of love but there's still the element of passion of not like settling in like the hurtful part is like utilizing it to create something great from it Mm so it's like you hear it and it's like yo that's a vibe that's a vibe hold up what did she just say wait a minute I need to know what you're talking about like (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's literally what happened at my listening party you know each song we listened to we went through it and I allowed the Proud to ask me whatever questions they had about that song. Mm. So, you know, it's like, wow, like you really put your life out there. Yeah. Can you give <laughs> me some of the lyrics? Like, what are some of the things that you mentioned? And that's something to take over. You were my friend, my lover, my partner. I thought forever. Instead, you gave me heartache and pain. The more I tell, hell, I'm so ashamed. You Mm -hmm. played with me, betrayed my heart. You took control, but it's over now. It's the takeover, the big take back. I'm the big boss now. I got a brand new band. That song was actually modeled after James Brown and Angie Stone. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I love that. So with James Brown, how do you, and, and the funny thing is, like, I was just watching Get On Up, like, two weeks ago and it's actually one of my favorite movies, which of course, I think I was more into it, obviously, after Chad would die, but I was really into it prior whatever. But with James Brown, just when I hear his music, I'm like, he really was ahead of his time. Like even now, actually, I think just as far as people that really, really have an ear for music, just listen to how he just did those arrangements, his band, it's just like insane when you listen to James Brown in general, you know? So as, like I said, he's very different and eclectic. I don't think a lot of people kind of pick up on it, you know? But like I said, he's a very unique artist. If you just listen to him now, it's like, wait a minute, you know. That's <laughs> and obviously, you mentioned liking musicians, <laughs> you like bands, and obviously, James Brown is the epitome of actually having that amazing band. So, how does he influence your art? Like, is it with the the, the arrangements? You know, just I guess because like, his style, I just feel is crazy even to this day. Um. I like to hear funk in my mm. songs some kind of way, it, especially if the song is mid-tempo or um, upbeat, it's, it's got to be funk in some kind of way, like bass. I love bass in my songs. Like if I don't hear bass, I'm like, it's missing the bottom. Like, where is it? I need something an 808 something. Give me a, a bass saxophone with give something. I need the bottom. And he has a lot of bass and funk with his songs. I love funk. I'm actually rebranding myself right now. So I will no longer be identified as a neo-soul artist, okay. which I've told some people that and they like, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, wow. What's happening here? I'm like, you know, because I just, I need to change. Like, it's it's never really been the genre I wanted to be in, because I know I'm really eclectic. I could do a lot of different genres. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see and hear people's reaction to what's coming next. So when I was listening to your music, I definitely picked up on the neo hints in there. So can you tell us about the transition that you're actually switching to? Um, I won't say what the genre is going to be. Um, I like to give a little bit of surprise a lot of times for some things, um, and I just I just really want people to just listen to the music first. But because I listen to everything, you know, you might hear a little country. You might hear a little pop. You might hear some rock. But you're still going to hear that soul because that's just embedded in me. But it's, it's going to be different. Mm. It's going to be different. Okay, so tell me about some of the albums and EPs that you've put out. So, like I said before, The Takeover was released a couple of years ago, 2017. Earlier this year, I released my EP called Changing Faces. There's five cuts on that. Learn to Love, Musicolic. Don't Belong to You. I have the intro. And I'm missing one. My mind went blank. (laughs) Okay. okay, okay. (laughs) But there's five cuts on that. Um, And then last month, I released a single called Learn to Love. And I released that with a a lyric video on my YouTube channel. So people can check that out with the lyrics. Okay, okay. So what inspired you to write this these songs on this album? And what would you say is a the common theme on it? Like, is it like a different type of thing? Is it something that you kind of stepped out to do? Like, what would you say is a the common theme if you had to summarize the album? Love and Life. Mm. okay, okay. Love and Life. So... With your music, obviously, you seem like a real confident sister. So with your music, how do you feel that your artistry influences other women like to empower them and just to make them comfortable? Like, and you know, like so how do you think your music touches women in particular? Not to be ashamed of what they go through. Tell your story. You don't know who it can inspire, you don't know who it can help who it can save, who it can rebuild. Um, Utilizing your pain as your purpose can be beautiful. There's a healing that goes on that you don't even see in the beginning when, when you first begin that type of journey. And it creates a whole world that a lot of times you don't even see in the beginning, but it's on the journey that you recognize, like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, look at all this stuff that has happened since I did this, or I put this out to the public, or I made people aware of of this. A lot of times we sit on our talents. <sighs> out of fear fear of other people's thoughts feelings what they're gonna say our family like (laughs) for the longest my mom was like why didn't you sing gospel I was like Mm -hmm. I don't want to sing gospel so if you know your family if you're close to your family sometimes they can hinder you. Oh yeah. You know, family can hinder you. It's not always easy peasy just because they're family. Um, mm. But you have to be able to stand on your own. You have to be able to be comfortable with who and what you are, where you would like to head in your life. And I feel like my music and my books do that for women. Because whenever I tell parts of my story, they like, whoa, like, that's where that comes from? <laughs> like, you went through that? Like, yes, that that's me. That's really an extension of me for real. This is not doing something cute just for looks and likes to be like a star. Like, no, like, this is all purposeful. So... Definitely, I know the music helps people to look at life in a different way, um, and to evaluate their relationships with people—not just romantically, but just in general. You know, I wrote a song about a couple jobs. That. I was on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it, you know, everybody has their way of relieving stress. And dealing with stuff and mine is just music and books Mm -hmm. and a couple Mm -hmm. other things, but you know, (laughs) but you know, one thing that I'm glad that you said, and I've said this a lot of times on just past episodes, a lot of people do sleep on their talents and gifts because I think sometimes I don't want to say necessarily we take it for granted, but we just don't realize how unique and special our talents are. You know, not everyone can sing, you know, (laughs) not everyone can have the talent and gift of writing as well. You know, a lot of times we just, we don't even understand sometimes either our gifts, I think, you know, and sometimes we have gifts and, and you're right, fear, fear fear will destroy everything, okay? Fear of what people say, fear of what they think, or just fear of even acceptance, you know, and having that obsession, well, are they gonna like what I'm doing? You know, just that whole fear of always having that constant thought of them, what are they gonna think, you know? And it stopped a lot of people from following their dreams. You know what I'm saying? Even like how you mentioned, you didn't wanna sing gospel. You know how many people I'm sure or just, hey, well, you know, I sing that banging solo on Sunday, but I can't I can't do it. You know, I really want to sing secular, but if I do it, my family's gonna trip, you know. So they, you know, don't even go ahead and follow those dreams, unfortunately. You know, so I'm just really happy that you did say that. And, you know, this artistic expression, whether it's in a song, a book, anything, is just so important to share your testimony. So I know you mentioned your other works other than you're singing. As I said, you slang harmonies, hooks, and books. So <laughs> let's talk about the books that you've written. How many books have you written so far? I have written five. Okay. But only four are available to the public. Okay. So tell me um, about those books. The first three is a series called Bittersweet. Bittersweet is about unrequited love and family, romantic relationships, just in life in general and how you just keep going. You get past it. And it's based on my real life. And it made me a best-selling author (laughs) at the beginning of the pandemic. (laughs) So I'm very proud of that because There's a lot of people who have gone through what I've gone through, who are going through it, and knowing that somebody else got past it, made it out, or turned, like, coal into diamonds, you know, it's a good feeling. I get fussed out every time somebody reads it, but, (laughs) you know, they enjoy it. You know, I get fussed out because they're like, wait a minute, like, this happened for real? Like, I want to choke such and such. I want to, and I didn't use people's real names. I, you know, kept that private. But the characters, they're like, you know, I want to choke this character. like, oh, like, why? And I'm like, you know, that's, that's what happened, you know, to say, you know, fiction is stranger than real life. Because a lot of times fiction is is real. You know, you write it down as if it's not real, but it's coming from somewhere. Right. It's coming from something that sparked you to, to write this. But in my case, you know, that was that was my life. <laughs> So, could you okay, tell us yeah. one of the most, if you have to say out of that book, and obviously, like you said, these are things you actually experience, what would you think, what would you say is one of the hardest things that you put in that book? What are one of the most, what are one of the most biggest stories or uh, plot lines in the book, which of course, like you said, you experienced that you got the biggest wow reaction from? When... Belinda was the character the main character of the book famous Belinda. And Belinda is living with her aunt and her aunt is upset because she's being selfish that day that Belinda won't take her to work. So the aunt goes and grabs Belinda's baby. And she's toying with her about giving her the baby because Belinda's trying to get ready to go to work. She throws the baby at Belinda, and the baby hits the floor. And she calls the police and tells them that she's abusing the baby. She wants her locked up, and the police is like, "No, there's something else going on here. You know, we're um, gonna let y'all." work that out, but we don't see anything wrong with the baby. She might just be, you know, shook up, but she doesn't appear to have any broken bones, that kind of thing. And Belinda went on to work, thinking, okay, we're gonna talk about this when I get home and cash this out. But when Belinda got back to her aunt's house, which was home at the time, she was locked out. All the locks had been changed, so she couldn't get in. Wow. wow. Yeah. That definitely like is a lot. <laughs> 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 like that that's that really happened. That really happened to me. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, whoa. So <laughs> how did you get to the point where you were comfortable telling your stories, you know what I'm saying? Cause like, you know, and we talk about this a lot on the show. I've had a lot of guests and they've gone through some hard stuff, you know? And I think there's different ways to handle it. Some people, they go through hard stuff and it's like, okay, they go through it and they just, they deal with it and they move on, you know? And they heal. Some of them do, some of them don't. But then there's the other side of it where some people, they go through some things and they're like, hey, I want to share this. You know, and I know like you mentioned too, one of your driving forces is for people to be like, okay, don't be ashamed of your story. But for yourself, you know, where did you get to the stage where it was like, okay, I'm not ashamed of this. I'm open to sharing these things. Like, did you have like any type of major point in your life where you said, hey, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong if I share these stories. Um, I'm an Eastern star. Um, I'm not sure if you know what that is. Um, Tell everyone to explain that fully for anyone that listens and does not find (laughs) it. So an Eastern star is the most simplest terms, the counterpart of Masons. Um, We are the oldest paternal order on the planet, which is where all Greek organizations kind of come from, but they patterned themselves after European paternal orders. Um, A lot of times when you see us wearing all white uh, with the star emblem has five main colors in it, red, blue, yellow, green, white. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we do a lot of community work. Um I don't wanna give too much away. <laughs> but um, you know, we're we're like the movers and shakers in the world. A lot of times when you see certain people and you be like, you know, there's something really like special about that person. If they're not in a Greek fraternity, they're probably a Mason or an Eastern star. Um, there's a lot of us everywhere. So I'm an Eastern star. I am not active at the moment. I have not been active in years. But when I was active, we used to have events, you know, where you meet people and, you know, you talk, you chit chat to get to know each other. And it was set up like, um, like speed dating. So we had one side that would get up and move and then The other side that would just sit. But every time somebody would move, for me, (laughs) it was a crowd of people. Mm -hmm. Because when they would ask certain questions, it would lead into different little parts of my life for them to understand the answer to the question. And before I knew it, it was like a group of of people around me, like listening as I tell these bits and pieces about my life. And one of the sisters was like, you really need to write a book. I was like, what the hell am I gonna write a book for? (laughs) Like, I gave that up a long time ago. Cause when I was in school, I was thinking about writing poetry. And I actually wrote some poetry and won a couple of contests. But I like gave it up. After I had my daughter, I was like, I gotta work, make this money, (laughs) take care of my business. Like, I didn't think I could do what I really wanted to do with with a child. It was just like the furthest thing from my mind. She was like, no. Noob, she called me noob. Noob, you need to write a book. Like, do you see the way affected those people today like some people were crying some people was like having epiphanies some people was just like in total shock like I was like yeah but she was like no but you need to write this book and she said it may actually be therapeutic for you and I was like okay how do I begin she's like just write just write just, she's like I tell you what You write, and as you write, like, I'll read through it, give you my thoughts or whatever, and we go from there. Because I think, like, maybe years before she met me, she was into, like, um, the arts, like, back in New York or something like that. So, you know, she had an eye and an ear for certain things. She was like, you write this book. (laughs) Like, I'm going to give you a time frame. You, You have X amount of chapters done by this day. And I was like, okay, let me think about this. Because at the time, thinking about certain things, it was like, okay, yeah, I can write about that. But then it's like, when I start to think about other things that came from certain situations, I would get extremely emotional. And just be like, I I can't, I can't, I can't write that. I can't. I can't tell people that. People gonna think I'm crazy. Like, I can't. Uh-uh. No. Nope. She was like, "People have been through worse, right? And and they've they've made it. And look at you. You made it. Like, what is there to be ashamed of? She was like, "If you, you know." Cry, but, you know, I think when like when people look back on their turmoil, things that we've all gone through, especially at the time, no one ever processes that there are some people that have it worse. Like I know I've gone through that, too, where it's like I'll hear something that someone else experienced and I'm like, you know, wow, you know, some people have had it way worse, actually, yeah. you know, and it's not to minimal, not to minimize the things that, you know, you and I right. and other people have experienced, but you know, it's just kind of hard to process, though, it's sometimes, like, wow, you know, there are way more severe, you know, things that could have happened, you know, it's just, it's like, you know, it's like I said, it's hard, because on the flip side, as I mentioned, it's not to minimize what anyone right. has gone through, you know, so I think that's the part that I think a lot of us kind of deal with, right. you know. Right. Because, was yeah, just, just because someone else saying, went through work and like, so mean what you went through wasn't bad, obviously. Right. It was her way of saying, like, you know, people have gone through worse and they made it. Like, don't mm. be ashamed. Like, tell your story. Some, somebody right. needed to, and several women there were like, I needed to hear that. I needed to right. hear this today. I needed to hear it. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to start right And at the time, at the time I was living in Charlotte Mm. and I started writing my book and I can remember writing out pages and pages like at a time and I was with my second husband at the time and I would write and then read it to him. And even he was in shock. Mm. Like there was, a, there was things that he didn't even know that went on with me earlier mm. in my lifetime. Mm. And I, I cried a lot. Mm. I, I cried a lot. Because I think that because women are expected to do so much a lot of times when things happen to us that's really traumatic, we don't get the chance to process and unpack it. Right. Okay. It's kind of like, okay, this happened. Okay, this got to be done. Okay, I ain't got time to... I got to do this. It's just on to the next thing. It's like, don't don't focus on it. On to the next thing. Not realizing that some of the things that happen with your trauma affects how you do the next thing. Right. Until it's done. And then you're looking like, why did that turn out that way? And for some people they figure out, Oh, it's because I went through this and I didn't deal with that properly first. Now I got to go back and do this again the right way. You know? So, I know a lot of things that happened in my life happened the way it happened because I didn't get to unpack it. I just kept moving on with life. It was like, okay, this has to be done. Bills got to be paid. Baby needs shoes. Baby need clothes. Baby needs school supplies. Husband wants this. Husband need... It was just like, move on. But right in that book, I had to actually sit down and look at those words and and own it right. right I had to own it and it was hard mm-hmm. I think I finished that book well the first book because it's a three part book it's a three part series I think I finished that first book in a couple of months mm-hmm. but I sat on it for like almost a year before I published it. Wow. Because I was, I was afraid. Mm. <laughs> I, was like, wow. I was like, ooh, if I put this out, if I put this out, I was like, I gotta put this out under a pen name. Like, I can't put this out on my name because <sighs> that fear. People going to think something like I'm crazy or I just had all these limiting debilitating thoughts yeah and by the time i moved back to atlanta i spoke to that particular sister again and she was like i just went back over your book again so when you putting this out because it's, it's been x amount of months what do you need what what do you not know that you think is going to stop you from putting this book out like what do you do i was like okay fine so i put it out like i i put it out with no marketing no no promo just like it's out like i did it like it's over there like i'm done i don't want to touch it no more right and i know a lot of it was because i was i was still ashamed Mm. i still had a lot of fear because it's like If I tell people I put this book out, they're going to ask questions and I have to explain this. I wasn't ready for that. Right. But then me and my ex-husband split up and I started to see someone new. He read the book. And he cried. Wow. He cried. He said, I'm, I'm crying for you. Because I always knew that you were special. Like, we had been friends for years before we started to date. He's like, I always knew you were special. Like, you're an amazing artist. He said, but reading this book, reading your story, like, He was he was like I, I don't know why you're not talking about this. He's like, do you know how many women like my book was all bent up. Like he had he really read my book. It was mm. all <laughs> he was like look we're we're gonna do um a book party and you know have people come. And it was small. It was a small turnout, but still, like, he, he helped me put that together. Like, he believed in my message and my purpose and felt like it was very necessary for more people to know about it. That was, like, two 2000- thousand. 12, 13-ish, somewhere around in there. And I started to put it out there more. I started to talk to more authors, um, book readers, and then change the cover Mm. and put it back out. Had it re-edited, change the cover, put it back out. And at the time Fam U was having their homecoming, and there was a girl in Florida who was gonna be part of that celebration. So she had like all these authors who wanted to be a part of what she was doing, send their books to sell at FamU's um homecoming. And I sent my books and they sold and she was like you got a banger. Like if you promote this and market this properly, you could be a bestseller. She didn't know how to tell me to do it, but she was like, it's possible. It's it's mm-hmm. really possible. But I wasn't focused. I I wasn't focused enough yet on it. Like I it life was still happening and I didn't really know how to like balance the two. So I was like, "Oh, okay, so you know that's done." <laughs> right, right, right. And then, was it two thousand fourteen or two thousand fifteen? I put out the second part of that series. Got cussed out some more because. Mm it it was still like more stuff on top of what i had already written and people were like are you serious like all of this stuff is happening like it's it's real right <laughs> right and um 2016 rolled around and i put out the last part of it and the guy i was seeing at the time he was like super excited he was like he was like this is like the best freaking series he was like you are a like legitimate but he was like my biggest fan you know <laughs> your loved ones when they support you like they be your biggest fan and he was like right. this is really good reading like real and it tells you stories it gives you lessons it's like there's lessons inside of these stories like if you don't pay attention you miss it you know so he's like this this is a great series, and we have plans to really like get somebody to help me like market and promote it Um, but it didn't happen that year because he was killed Mm. So, that was the hit, you know, to me. So, it wasn't until, I want to say late last year, yeah, late last year. I took the time to really like dig into marketing the books, mm-hmm. and mind you, like I'm simultaneously writing other books at the same time. Like I'm, I'm not just you know dealing with life and not doing anything else. Like I, my Google Drive is horrendous. There's like a hundred stories. <laughs> and mm-hmm. there's a folder for each one. So it, there's a lot more books coming. Um, they are not all based on my life, though. <laughs> But so, if someone who never met you asked you, like, what's your biggest passion? If you had to choose between writing and singing, which one would you choose? Well, I said you you had to choose. <laughs> um, red pill or blue pill, like <laughs> music okay okay so now that we're back to music though, so, so like i said i did want to put you on the hot seat so <laughs> if you could sing a lyric and you could choose whatever song it could either be one of your songs or one of the songs from your influencers but if you can grace the podcast before we end with a final question If you can, you know, throw in some lyrics for us. Bless the show. (laughs) I'm going to do a little bit of Learn to Love. Okay. That's on my EP. It's everywhere. Um. Have you ever had the kind... That kind of love. Have you ever had the kind that kind of love to make your brain cells grow, to make you so low, to change of energy flow of how the universe. Oh, all the world needs love. The world just needs love, love to love. I love that that's beautiful <laughs> and that fits in a the theme so like I actually have a guest that I'm going to be recording with soon um she's been on the show before and that's actually the name of her book is like live learn love so that's perfect so as I told you before we started recording I have been ending every single episode asking my beautiful guests like yourself to round out for people that are listening how do you define a queen I know a lot of people might not like my answer, but a queen is circumstantial. I prefer a goddess. A goddess is immortal. And I know people probably like, why would you say such a thing? I mean, that's that is the reality for me. Like, when you look at queens throughout history, it's, it's because they were, like, heir to the throne or they married the king, they became a queen. But a goddess is like, you, know, you you born a god. You born a goddess. Like, nothing can take that away from you, you know? You create, you give birth to things, manipulate things, you know, you can you can break things down and rebuild it. And some people may feel like, you know, a queen can do the same thing. But like I said, to me, a queen is circumstantial. A goddess mm-hmm. is immortal. You know, and it's nothing against those who call themselves queen. Like people call me queen. I don't, you know, knock them a death. And I, I accept it because I understand it's coming from a good place. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a woman who is constantly learning herself, building herself, rebuilding herself, expanding herself, healing herself and others in ways that is almost divine. Mm. That's my definition. I love it. Thank you so much, Miss Nubia Soul Goddess. Now make sure before we end everything, tell everyone where they can find you, all your social media handles, and also tell them where they can purchase these books and also listen to your music as well. So give all your information out. You can find me on Facebook, Nubia Soul Goddess. You can find me on Twitter, oh excuse me (laughs) you can find me on Twitter you can find me on Instagram you can find me on TikTok oh my gosh you can find me on Google if you Google my name Nubia Soul Goddess everything will come up videos YouTube articles features what else Spotify, Tidal, iTunes, Deezer, CD Baby, Amazon, iHeartRadio. I am on several syndicated radio stations, some college stations, tons of independent radio stations in the U.S. and abroad. You can find the books on Amazon, Kindle. You can find the books on Barnes & Nobles, Tolino, Maldadori several foreign platforms Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh yeah (laughs) okay perfect and don't worry when i publish everything i'll make sure to have all the links on the youtube obviously because For the audio, when people listen to this on the audio, the video will also be on YouTube and vice versa for people who tune in and watch this on YouTube. I also have the audio on all streaming platforms. So thank you so much. And like I said, I'll I'll definitely be following you more often so I can get more updates on these amazing works that you're doing. I mean, the books, the music, everything. Like I said, I, I was listening to everything before we log in and you're amazing. you're an amazing woman you're a bad one so <laughs> i love you. your music and i also will be tuned in because i'm interested to hear this new this new chapter that you're going to be stepping in with the music so we, you know we'll definitely be tuning in for that too thank you so much for having me it's fun it's been fun Thank you so much. And for everyone that is watching or listening, thank you guys for joining the Go Queen brand podcast, the Q Chat, and make sure you guys go love yourself. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Q Chat podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Queens Arrogance LLC. Our company website is www.goqueen.com.